So Christmas is a time of a lot of traditions, a lot of traditions, and some of them are so important to us. You can think of your own family traditions that you have at Christmas time, and what might those be, things that are unique to your family, but one of the Christmas traditions is the story of the three wise men who bring gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to the baby Jesus while he's in the manger. And I knew that we were going to have Christmas in July, and I tried to plan ahead. So I was praying all the way back in April about what I was going to talk about today at this service. And God led me to preach the story of the wise men who bring those gifts to Jesus. It comes to us from the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, first 12 verses. But before I read it, I want, I want to tell you and ask you to, to try and listen to the story as if you've heard it, that you're hearing it for the first time. Because we've heard the story so many times, and the Christmas, tra- Christmas traditions about the wise men are so strong that sometimes we get them all mixed together. And so I want you to, to listen as if you've not heard the story before and see if you can detect any differences of what's actually in the scripture and what you remember about the story or what you've seen in the Christmas traditions. So the story is from Matthew chapter 1 and verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I may go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered into the house and saw the child and his mother, Mary, And they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. During the reign of King Herod, around 4 BC. And that is based off of of dates that we can verify from historical records about 
the reign of King Herod and when he died, as well as dates from the Gospel of Luke. Now, B.C. means before Christ, and so you might wonder why did why is the date four years before Christ that Jesus was born? And the reason is because uh, when they, I think it was in the Middle Ages, when they were trying to nail down the, the dates, um, they, they said, well, you know, we believe Christ was born at this time. And they set the calendar with years before Christ and years after Christ. Um, but they made a mistake. They, they didn't have all the information um, they weren't as knowledgeable as we are in our modern times. And we realize that they were about four years off, probably. But we don't know exactly. There's a variance as to how, you know, when the, 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 he could have been born. Sometime between, uh, most scholars say, sometime between 4 B.C. and 7 A.D. But more than likely it was around 4 B.C. based on the records that we have. And that's not necessarily the most important thing about the story, but it's interesting. <laughs> it is to me anyway. We don't know how old Jesus was exactly when the wise men came. Matthew doesn't specifically say, but Matthew does tell us that Herod was very mad. He was upset that a new king supposedly had been born king of the Jews in his country, and he was the king. And so he wanted to get rid of this rival, this potential rival, and he asked the wise men to come back, and when they didn't come back, he, he decided, well, I'll know what, I know what to do. I'll just get rid of all the male children in Bethlehem, and that will include this so-called new king. So he killed all the male children two years old and younger in Bethlehem. We learned that. We didn't read that today, but that's in Matthew 2, 16. So Jesus could have been anywhere two years old or younger. But the picture that we have in tradition, right, is always the wise men and the manger with Jesus in it as a little baby. But he could have been bouncing around as a two-year-old by this point that the, the wise men came. The wise men were from the east. The original Greek says that they were called magi. Magi were sort of like scientific theologians from the ancient Persian Empire. These were people who were, were, were religious um, and they were seeking after God. They were, uh, it was very important to them to know the truth about religion and divinity and the world around them. They devoted their lives to figuring stuff out. They studied religion and astronomy and nature to help them try to divine the truth of reality. As I got to thinking about that and reading through this story, I thought, you know, there's probably a lot of people that come to church that are trying to figure some stuff out, right? Have you ever felt like you're just trying to figure some stuff out? And maybe you think um, going to the beach might help or going to Wyoming, like Amy said, might find help out. Or coming to church, really, is the place where you come to seek assistance and to figure some stuff out. 
And if you're trying to figure some stuff out today, and you're a lot like the wise men in the story. And you know what? God loves people who are trying to figure some stuff out. He loves it, and he will help you. But the Magi were from Babylon in Persia. Persia was once the greatest empire on earth. When we think about great empires in history, maybe we think of Greece or we think of Rome. But before there was the Roman Empire and Greece, there was the Persian Empire. As a matter of fact, all of the things, or a lot of the things that we admire about the ancient Greeks and ancient Romans, they actually copied from the Persians. The Persians came up with the idea, I mean, there's always been roads, obviously, places to get from one place to the other, but the Persian Empire was such a vast empire, it stretched so far from east to west, it was hard to administer it. So they decided, you know what, what we really need We need some state roads or some empire roads so that the officials of our kingdom can get from one side all the way to the other. And so they built these roads all over their empire so they could travel. And then they came up with another idea. How many of you have ever traveled outside the country before? Raise your hand. If you did that, you probably had to have what? A passport. Guess who invented passports? The Persians invented passports. And here's why, because if you were an official of the emperor and you needed to travel from one side of the, the empire to the other, it would, it's a journey that could take months. And you couldn't carry all of your supplies with you, so they put supply stations all along the road. And everywhere you went, if you were a government official and you had a passport, you could show up at that city and show them your passport and they were required to resupply you for free. And so that you could get your all the way across the, the empire from one place to the other. That was a great invention that they had. Administration, science, all kinds of things that, that we take for granted today, but somebody had to figure them out to start with. And a lot of the times it was the Persians. And they were great studiers of nature. They, were stu- they studied the heavens and the heavenly bodies They studied mathematics. But for Persia, science was not divorced from religion the way it is so often in in our time. For them, it was not science or religion. For them, it was both. They, They went together for them. And the Magi were those who studied the nature around them, including what was happening up in the stars, And they tried to figure out what that was teaching them, not only about the way the world worked, but also about the way the creator of the world worked and what he was doing. And so these magi in our story, they see this incredible star in the sky, and they believed that it was foretelling a tremendous thing, a world-changing event, that the creator of the universe was doing. And it led them to a little baby in Bethlehem. The Persians were on friendly terms with the Jews. The, you may remember that the Jews had been carried off into captivity in Babylon, but then Babylon was conquered by the Persian Empire. 
And the Persian emperor Cyrus is the one who set the Jewish captives free so that they could return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So this, this great cooperation and a great bit of support from the Persian Empire for the people of Jerusalem and the people of God in Israel. And this continued on until the Persian Empire declined. The, the Magi were priests in the Persian Empire. They practiced a religion known as Zoroastrianism, which taught that God created a perfect world which is engaged in a war between good and evil, and that evil will be defeated in the end, and that the world will be restored to its perfect state by the Creator. It's a very similar narrative to what we find that Christianity teaches. So these magi that came seeking Jesus from Persia in the east were looking for something that they believed was dramatic and was going to change the world forever. And they traveled all the way from Persia about 800 miles to the land of the Jews. It would have taken them about four months to travel from Persia to find Jesus. Now we can assume that people who would be willing to go to that great length, they would travel that far, they were serious about what they believed, they were serious about their mission, and they really were dedicated to the idea that what was happening in Bethlehem with this new king was very, very important. It was worth leaving everything they had behind, putting their lives in danger, and traveling four months to find it. And it makes me wonder, how far would we go to find God's truth? How far would you go to figure some stuff out, like the wise men? It's interesting, too, that as you read the story, you, the wise men, the heroes of the story, are really interested in and will go to great lengths to figure this stuff out. But the important, powerful people in Jerusalem who should already know this stuff, they have not, no idea what God is doing right there in their midst. And when someone from outside, an outsider comes to them and tells them, they're not excited about it. They're not like, oh, we didn't know that that was happening. We want to be a part of this too. All they wanted to do was stop it from happening. But the Magi from the East were deeply interested in Jesus, the new king of the Jews. They knew he was not only the king of the Jews, Jesus was the Magi's king too. He was to be the king of the whole world. And so the wise men brought him gifts. Of course, one of the traditions that we have around Christmas is that there were three wise men. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that there were three gifts, but it doesn't tell us how many wise men there were. It just says that there were some wise men. Could have been two, could have been three, could have been four, could have been twelve. But they brought three gifts. What the three gifts actually mean is, is not 
exactly known. Gold is an obvious gift that you would give to a king because gold is the very best. Gold is the very best that you could give. Do you give your very best to Jesus? Or do you give him what you have that's left over? The wise men wanted to give him the very best. Frankincense is a fragrant and valuable incense that is used in worship. Myrrh is an anointing oil often used for embalming the dead. We're not exactly sure of the symbolic meanings. And it's not in the Bible, but a very old Christian tradition going all the way back to about 200 A.D., to a very wise and devout Christian leader named Origen says, gold marked that Jesus was a king. You give gold to a king. Myrrh showed that he was mortal and that he would die one day and that he would be buried and he would need this special anointing oil that was used for burial. And frankincense showed that Jesus is God. And that he would rise from the grave and be worshipped as a divine. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After the wise men, these magi from Persia found Jesus, they worshipped him. And then it says that they returned to their own country. I'm not sure, but I think maybe they were going home to prepare their own people preparing them to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior when the time came. And a few decades later, Christian missionaries started arriving in Persia, sharing the incredible good news about how Jesus was born in a manger, who lived as one of us, who taught and did amazing miracles, who lived a perfect life, but he was also crucified on the cross for our sins. He was buried in the tomb, but on the third day he rose to new life. And they shared the good news that whoever believes in Christ and worships him as Lord and follows him can be saved and can have eternal life. Jesus is the one who has come and who is coming again to recreate the world and to fix everything that is broken and wrong and make it right again. Make it as God said it was supposed to be. As we read the story today, I wonder, who do you identify with in there? Who would you be in the story? Are you like the wise men? Just desperately trying to figure some things out. You know, if you're trying to figure some things out, Jesus has the answers. Seek him, and he will find you. Maybe you're like all those people in Jerusalem. They were just going about their busy lives. They were trying to make ends meet, trying to take care of family, consumed by the ins and outs of life and the hot topics that were right there in their world in that day, all the while oblivious 
to the eternity-changing things that God was doing. If that's you today, you need to wake up. It's not just about these little things that, you, that we concern, concern, consume our lives with and concern ourselves with so much. God is doing something in the world around you right now. Are you paying attention? Or maybe you're more like Herod. You're concerned only with protecting your hold on power and the security of your little kingdom, your world, your life the way you want it to be, and you will protect it at all costs. You'll do anything to protect your interest and your little world, even if it means fighting against God himself. If that's you, you better wake up. It's a fight you cannot win, and you shouldn't even want to, because God's plan is always better than yours. God's kingdom is far better than any little kingdom you can amass for yourself. Repent and turn to God. Let us pray. Father God, we've all come here today to hear a word from you. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would hear your word directly to us, personally. Whatever we need to hear, I pray, Father, that you will encourage us, give us courage to respond appropriately to what you're saying to us right now. Lord, for those among us who are searching for answers, speak and help us to hear. For those of us who have been distracted by so many things in life, Lord, give us clarity about the things that really matter. And for those of us, O oh Lord, who are just concerned about our own little worlds and our own little desires and selfish pursuits. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will grab us and shake us and wake us up so that we can turn to you through Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and be saved. And we pray that through it all, you would be glorified. For it is in Christ's name we ask. Amen.